I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! Happy game day, Cuse Nation. We've got another episode of Locked on Syracuse for you. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. Be sure to check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse where we'll give you more than just the pods there. We've got some some good tweets for you. And, Tim, you've done God's work with those, what are they, like wave videos? Is that what we call them? Those graphic videos, uh, especially from the Dylan Markowitz stuff, which has been great. And you guys should all go check us out. And the only way you could do that is by following us at LO underscore Syracuse. And you can follow Tim at Tim underscore Leonard 4 and myself at Tyler Aki underscore. All right, so Louisville. This is a, about as big of a game as it gets. I know we said that We've last time. We've said that out, every game. And yeah. we'll probably <laughs> say that next game too. But right. here we are. We've got another really big matchup on our hands. Because with Syracuse, again, it's do or die. And we'll get into all the Louisville and all the tournament implications of this game later on in the show. But this game is going to be lost if Buddy Beheim does not figure it out. He is yeah. the most important player in this game on either side. Forget Jordan Wara of Louisville. Forget Elijah Hughes. Forget Joe Girard. Forget anyone else you want you want to bring up on Louisville, even though it is Jordan Wara's team. Buddy Beheim is the most important player in this game. He has struggled mightily. He put up a goose egg last time out against Florida State where... Pretty much if he gets one bucket, Syracuse is probably winning the game. Something yeah. has to change. Something has to change. And here's here's my kind of not one-step fix for Buddy Beheim, but you have to instill the confidence in him from the get-go. This is an offensive-oriented team, much different from the teams that we've seen in the past with Syracuse. But with Buddy Beheim, I am making him the focal point of the offense early and often. I'm going to make sure that he is going to take the first three shots for this team. Whether that's getting to the basket, whether that's drawing a foul, whether that's shooting an open three, whether that's shooting maybe a a semi-contested jumper. I need to show Buddy Beheim that I still have confidence in him. And listen, this team still has confidence in him. Bad games happen. It's just the fact that it's been back-to-back games that's really disturbed the flow of this offense so far. And really pivotal games to that point as well especially when you consider one game where Hughes was out and there was probably even more emphasis more pressure on him to pick up the slack scoring wise without their guy and Elijah Hughes playing against NC State you're right I think they should make him a focal point of the offense early and often here they're not going to win this game unless Buddy gets his confidence back the only way to get his confidence back is to get him off to a good start We've seen him struggle at times to start games, but that's what makes this run so concerning, so alarming, so surprising, is that the seven games preceding these two duds that he's laid in back-to-back games against NC State and Florida State, and the seven games before, five of those seven games, he went for 20-plus points. So he was playing the best basketball he's played at Syracuse. Teams are starting to get out on him more. Teams are starting to know that Syracuse is 
they go based on how their guards shoot the ball, based on how Hughes shoots the ball, based on how Bayheim shoots the ball. And I do think they're putting a little bit more pressure on him defensively. Louisville's a pretty good perimeter defending team as well. This is going to be a challenge for him, but they will not win this game unless Buddy Beheim's playing well. And for that matter, everyone plays well. I mean, it, is, it feels like we have not seen Hughes, Beheim, Gerard all clicking at once, maybe since Virginia, and even that was not until overtime when we got that, when they each hit a three in overtime. I don't remember a time where they've all been clicking, and I do think they could beat anybody when they're all clicking. So that's important in this game today. And it's interesting you bring that up about how everyone needs to be clicking. We kind of felt that same thing last year where Syracuse could never get their three guys to click. Now, who are the three guys? It kind of depended who you wanted it to be, but it was some combination of these four. It was Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, Hughes is in that conversation too, and then Frank Howard. And and Howard yep. and Hughes kind of interchangeable. But you needed three of those guys to click, and it kind of felt like you really only got two guys clicking at a time, but when everything was going right, those are the games when at least three of them were clicking. So that's that's to me when you can get – and listen, I'm not saying all of them have to go off for 20, and I don't think you're saying that either because that's just infeasible. But no. what I'm saying is all three of these guys need to hit a three-pointer. That that I mean, when you're making this a, a two-man show from distance – this team is not going to win many games because the defense can key in on guys and Louisville, a very good defensive team, will break all that down in a little bit. But when you are making this a two-pony race, it's tough. It's tough for this team to get things going offensively, especially late in crunch time too because there are players out there who you can expect next to nothing from offensively. I mean, you look at... Barama Sidibe. We're not expecting much offensively. We're not asking much offensively. Marek Dolajai. We're not necessarily asking much in the scoring department from from Marek Dolajai. But what Syracuse needs is these three guys to show that they can hit outside shots. And we know they can hit outside shots, but they need to start to do it in tandem, in trio, in a game. And that's just been evading them these last couple. When we did the grades for Florida State, it really stood out to me the fact that essentially, now not everyone got an A, not everyone got a B plus, but essentially everyone but Buddy had a relatively good individual performance, a game that they played pretty well, they played maybe slightly above expectations or what they've done at their average game so far this season. Quincy Garrier was pretty good, Sidibe did have the Sidibe special gets in foul trouble late. But he was great in the in the first part of that game until about the eight-minute mark when he got in foul trouble and never saw the court again. Dolajai was all right. I'd say he was maybe the one that you could have asked for a little bit more, but it wasn't like he was inefficient. He was four for five from the field. So that's what makes Buddy so important today because this team is growing. They are getting better game in and game out. But they're having trouble closing games because they don't have that guy to turn to Unless it's depth. Elijah Hughes. Yeah, they don't have the depth. They don't have they they run out of legs, they get tired. But you, you gotta have everyone clicking if you wanna beat a, a team in Louisville who, yes, has slipped up lately, but honestly you can make the case that's worse for Syracuse. A because it makes this win, this quad one win, maybe not as good as you need. And it went over a team that's now ranked eleventh as opposed to fifth, as they were last week. But also, they're gonna be hungry today. I mean, after losing two games to two non-tournament teams, 
losing at Clemson, losing at Georgia Tech, coming back home, a place they never lose. A lot of pressure on them, a lot of reason for them to be desperate as well. You'd have to think this is a game that you need everyone to be playing well in order to have a chance to win. And that's why we're looking at Buddy Beheim because he's been the guy the past two games. Now, I do think he bounces back today based on what we've seen in the body of work this season. No reason to believe he continues to struggle as much as he did. But the confidence we saw on display at Florida State was concerning. Right. And I think they'll get Buddy rolling early and often. Certainly something to look forward to. So you mentioned the crumbling there. It's interesting. Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic and a a guest on this podcast, a former and a future (laughs) guest on this podcast, wrote something interesting. He had a film breakdown, but one of the things that really stuck out to me in the article was about how there's he spoke with a source who spoke anonymously, but basically this team crumbles because the fatigue, it's just catching up with them, and they are just way too tired at the end of first halves and second halves, and that's what's led to this little rough patch that Syracuse has hit after such a strong January, and now they're they're collapsing a little bit here in February. But we'll get to more into Louisville, and we'll also talk more about that Matthew Gutierrez film breakdown coming up next on Locked on Syracuse. All right, so Louisville today, game of the season, as we've said before, and as we will probably say again, especially when we get to ACC tournament time, but with good reason, because this is a a Louisville team that is kind of in the same boat as Syracuse right now in terms of situationally how they're feeling. Both teams kind of real, and Louisville has lost back-to-back games, and the... And the Orange has, they've lost four of the last five, but when you look at the Syracuse team, they've lost to good teams, whereas Louisville has not necessarily lost to good teams. They've, they have lost to, to some pretty, pretty suspect teams as we highlighted in the last segment. But the one thing that kind of sticks out with Louisville, Louisville, that I think could really, really, really cause some problems here for Syracuse is the fact that this Cardinals team, much like we saw against Florida State, can really shoot the three ball. And they're third in the power five. Not just forget the wow. fact that they're first in the ACC. They are third in the power five in three-point percentage and, and 12th in the country. And guess what? They don't necessarily depend on that three-point shot either. They only account for a third of their points, which is outside the top 100 in terms of reliance on the three. And you've got all these different guys who can hurt you from deep. You've got Jordan Noir. You've got Darius Perry. Ryan McMahon is just an absolute... I mean, he's the stuff nightmares are made of, okay? <laughs> yeah. And th- this is just so concerning when you've got all these three-point shooters and you've got a Syracuse team that generally is good against the three, but as Matthew Gutierrez broke down in his article on The Athletic, there are some hiccups and some reasons for concern with this Orange team defending the three, especially in that Florida State game. These past two games now, they've really ran into some problems against relatively good shooting teams. Louisville is a very complete team. And you bring up Wara, who is leading the ACC in terms of three-point field goal percentage. He's now not leading the ACC in points anymore. He's been jostling with Hughes throughout. He's down to 18.2 points. But the reason why he's down is these past two games, that same conversation we just had about Buddy Beheim. Well, Cardinals fans, and on probably some Louisville podcast out there, are talking the same way about Jordan Wara right now, because he laid an egg at Georgia Tech, had two points, 
And Chris Mack called him out after the game, after their first loss. They had won 10 in a row before Georgia Tech. Lose on the road. He said Jordan didn't display toughness against basically a 5'10", 6-foot guy that was guarding him. Obviously, that's a huge size advantage for Wara, who's in the neighborhood of 6'7". And then Chris Mack said changes are going to be made. Much to the surprise of many people around Louisville, that change was demoting who many believed was the ACC Player of the Year going into last week, Jordan Wara, out of the starting lineup. He did not start in that loss to Clemson. He came in about three and a half minutes into the game, and they were already down seven points. So whether that backfired, you could make the case it probably did because he didn't really have much better of a game against uh, Clemson. He only scored five points, had turnover problems again. He's now had eight points in the last two games, or seven points in the last two games, eight turnovers in the last two games. So he needs to step it up for them, kind of like Beheim does for Syracuse. And and Jordan War is the, the scary piece here because, I mean, he can he can hurt you. And we have seen him hurt a number of teams this year. So when, when I look at what, what Wara brings to the table in this game, obviously the three-point shooting is going to be a problem. And Syracuse, I mean, let's be honest, the defense hasn't been great. And, and when I, I break down this, this article that, that Goody wrote, okay, listen, at the top of the zone, it's been a, a pretty, pretty tough go. And this is where Wara can hurt you. Forget the three, okay? The fact that this team has four guys out there. Now listen, Louisville's not a huge team, but they play. A, they do play a, a pretty small lineup. In fact, Wara at 6'7 plays the four. But that kind of leads you to believe, okay, there's four guys who play like guards out there. And when you can facilitate at the high post and have a playmaker like Wara who might be at the high post in a game like this, or you put one of your guards there who can really hurt you, that's what's going to hurt this team because that high post has doomed them at times this year trying to guard that. You've got four guys out there with guard playmaking abilities for Louisville. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to see, and Goody highlights this in his article, where the, the opposite side wing on on the bottom of the zone, on the three of the zone, is not dropping fast enough. Now, part of that was Elijah Hughes was battling with injuries, so he's naturally going to be a, a half step slower. But even a guy like Dolajai or Guerrier, they have been slow getting to that painted area, and Stephen Enoch can hurt you down there. So the three points going to be a problem, and you're also going to have to try to contain a guard at that high post. So this is going to be a really, really interesting go at it for for Syracuse defensively because this is a team that's pretty similar to Florida State. Yeah, they kind of are. And the knock on them is the guard play. It, at times, it's a little inconsistent. At times, you haven't seen enough from Louisville's guards to maybe qualify as them as a national championship contender like the expectations were going into the season. They've overall been pretty good, though. It's just these last two games have made you a little bit more hesitant in what Louisville can bring in terms of guard play. And when Wara is playing like that, that really drops them in terms of point production because he's their only double-figure scorer. He's averaging 18.2 a game. Keep in mind, too, Wara, a guy who grew up in Buffalo, his mom was from Syracuse and kind of has a little bit maybe extra meaning. Probably if he was playing in the Dome like he was last year, that would qualify more. But it's a player that Syracuse, by all accounts, never really recruited too hard 
He was kind of in the middle of the pack of the ESPN 100, was not expected to be this type of player. He's taken a big leap, came in and came in during the Patino to Chris Mack switchover and really actually took a big step in Chris Mack's first season last year. He's been pretty good this year overall, just inconsistent, but someone who, when you're watching him, that's a player that Syracuse maybe could have recruited a little bit harder. Regardless, though, he's the X factor for them because what is he going to do? Is Chris Mack going to start him? After last game, he didn't really answer the call by being benched. He still struggled a lot, as did Louisville. I I think Mack will start him. You uh, think? No doubt. I mean, this is this is do or die. And if you're going to take out, not okay, it's not do or die for Louisville. But if you're going to take out your best player, at, at what point is trying to send a message, trying to get too cute with it? Yeah. And to me, that's that's the big thing with all of this in this it's just a weird situation too like can you imagine Jim Beheim telling Buddy Buddy Beheim, yeah you're benched you're not you're not going to start today it's weird how lately it just feels like this has been happening a lot Markel Johnson disciplinary reasons but still he does not start against Syracuse Devin Vassell just randomly doesn't play. I mean, do we have any answers on that after the game? I And I don't I'm buy the puzzled. excuse that it's not disciplinary. I it don't has buy to that be. one bit. It's not a coach's decision. It wasn't, let's see what we can do without our best player, who's an all-ACC type of guy. So now you get Wara, who is an all-ACC type of player, someone that I'd still say is an all-ACC first-teamer right now. He's second in the conference in scoring. He's right up there in rebounds at seven a game. I mean, going into last week, the Athletic picked him as the ACC Player of the Year. Now I'd say Vernon Carey has a stranglehold on that race. I'm sure some Syracuse fans listening would say Elijah Hughes deserves more props and deserves more consideration in that race. I think it's going to go to Carey, though. And I do think Wara is still an all-ACC first-teamer, but he has to bounce back today with a lot of pressure, a lot of eyes on him. And I, I will say, when we get to predictions, I just think it's it's a tough mountain to climb for Syracuse, given that this is a Louisville team that's very hungry. Yep. All right, when we come back, we will get into those predictions, as well as some matchups that we're going to keep our eyes on for the full 40 minutes. All right, we'll be right back on Locked on Syracuse. All right, bird hunting season down in Louisville, Kentucky. Today, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. So when you look at these two teams, obviously the heavy favorite in this game is Louisville. Ken Palm has this right now pegged as a 10-point victory projected for the Cardinals, 78-68. to Now, here's what I will say about that. Yes, Louisville's a good defensive team, but we have seen Syracuse kind of exploit some good defensive teams in the past. I don't see the orange being held under 70 points in this one, but at the same time, as we're, we're getting into our predictions here, I don't, I, I don't see Syracuse winning this game. No. It's going to be extremely tough for them to pull off this kind of victory. And when you look at what Louisville has done these last couple games, and th- this is, to me, this is the only way I see Syracuse winning this game. Okay. If Syracuse plays the way that they have in their last two games, albeit two losses, they will win. As really? long as, as long as Louisville also plays the way they've played in their last two games. <laughs> yeah, because that's a kicker. I mean, the the way that these two teams have played in their last two games, yes, they're both 0-2, but Syracuse would be 2-0 against some other competition. And 
if they had a couple breaks go their way. Say Elijah Hughes is healthy. Say Buddy Beheim gets one bucket to fall. They've played well, and they have battled. But the thing that concerns me, again, as always, is going to be the depth and the fatigue that Syracuse endures at the ends of halves and that we've seen these last five games. I agree. I don't really see a world where Louisville loses this game. Yes, they've been struggling lately, so you could point to that as a factor that kind of bodes well for Syracuse. But again, as I've said, I think it's kind of worst-case scenario that they're coming back home after two losses. Don't see a world where they lose three in a row. The start of this game is going to be so important, and something Chris Mack, the head coach of Louisville, has really preached his entire time at Louisville and his entire time this season is we've got to get off to good start. That's why he was disappointed with Laura. That's why he benched him. We'll see if he starts tonight. But the start of this game, because A, on the Syracuse side of things, if they can turn the tables and get off to a good start, you minimize the crowd, which is one of the best environments in the ACC, and also you get Louisville into panic mode a little bit because they're already teetering there after back-to-back losses. You have to put them on their heels and make them think, oh, no, it's happening again here. If Louisville gets off to a good start, I do think this could be the first double-digit loss in ACC play for Syracuse because Louisville has more talent. They have the home court advantage. They're kind of due for a win. And Syracuse, it's just, as you said, the fatigue thing is such a real thing given where we're at in this point of the season. They played a lot of games. Joe Girard has not come off the floor in a while. And are we going to expect Girard to keep playing like he has been these last two games? Maybe, but you're going to need basically an all-world performance from guys like him if Louisville's on their A game. Now, they could just come out flat again. I mean, that's what they did against Clemson and Georgia Tech, but... Science, to me, says that's not going to happen based on how how much they need this win. Right, some regression to the mean there. Now, so you're really keyed in on that opening to the game. I'm keyed in on the under fours, okay? Because, I mean, just the way that Syracuse has closed out. We we brought the stat up earlier in February to close out games. And this is in the under four of the second half, but... Syracuse has been outscored 100 to 64 in February in those final four minutes. I, I mean that that's alarming. That that stat just pops to me, and the way that they have closed out some of these contests against some of these good teams that they kind of had. I mean they had Florida State on the ropes. They had Florida State reeling. They had a lead with 90 seconds left that was coughed away. Yeah, and the fatigue is going to. We're going to have to see some sort of minutes distribution here because especially with the big guys, when you have those guys out there laboring and you only have one source of relief and that's Quincy Garrier and get, listen, I get Quincy has played really well, but you're going to need another body out there to spell Marek Dolajai. He cannot be in charge of playing the, the 40 or 37 minutes that he's been tasked with night in and night out. He gets about 85% of the minutes out there. And you're going to need, I don't know if it's going to be, well, first of all, Barama has to stay out of foul trouble as yeah. well because and that always factors in. But Based on what we've seen, he like won't. See, so. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see Jesse Edwards get a little time in there. Yeah. Now, I don't like the matchup of him potentially going up against Steven Enoch, who's just an absolute force down low and a lot bigger of a guy, and Jesse doesn't have the build. But 
I wouldn't say Barama's got the build no. to go toe to toe. Marek definitely doesn't have the build to go toe to toe with a guy like that. But maybe when they go small and, and don't have Enoch out there, that's when that's when you can give Barama a little rest and maybe strategically substitute people before these these under eight and these under twelve timeouts to give them a little extra juice going down the stretch. And that's what I I just need to see that the depth isn't going to be as big a problem as we think it could be. I agree. I think Bayheim too is going to be important going back to the opening of the game. And honestly, Jim's You're gonna, talking Buddy Bayheim. Yes, Buddy. Jim Bayheim, the father and head coach, is going to have to make a decision on what the leash is for Buddy because some were arguing that he should have gone to Goodine earlier. I mean, I don't think it was the only reason, but once he did go to Goodine, it's when they started to make that prolonged sort of quiet run that we talked about against Florida State. Goodine had a great plus-minus. Beheim did not. I don't know how much you want to read into that. I don't think it was all based on how Bryson was playing. I think it was a large part of who was out there and how the other people were playing when Bryson was out there. But the start of the game is going to be very important. I, I just have a hard time seeing Syracuse winning this game, and I know it's their season on the line, and they have a lot to play for too, but on the road at a very tough place to play. I say Louisville wins this by 11 or 12 points, and I do think it's one of those games. It's the first game this year where Syracuse kind of runs into a buzzsaw on the road, momentum-building run, maybe to start the second half, maybe at the end of the first half, like you're saying, when they get fatigued a little bit. And I think Syracuse at one point is down 16 or 18 because they're kind of due for one of those games. They might fight back and I'd say lose by 10 or 12. But I really just don't see a way that Syracuse comes in to Louisville. And I know they've been playing better than Louisville, maybe you could say lately. But it's just hard to believe that Louisville would slump again and Wara would be such a non-factor again. Right. And yeah, so I, I also have Louisville winning this game. I think there's just too much three-point shooting that can really hurt Syracuse, who hasn't been their usual Syracuse defending against the three. And I think in the end, it'll be maybe a five- to seven-point game, but it's going to be one of those games that feels like it was a double-digit loss, but this team kind of grinds it out at the end and gets some of those yeah. buckets back down the stretch. So we'll see how it all shakes out in Louisville tonight. Okay, I do want to point out this one other thing how important this game is for seeding now Syracuse again they're kind of gunning for that four spot that is still very much within reach yeah so they're they're chasing after Virginia right now who currently is the resident in that four spot but the way the tiebreaker goes since Syracuse and Virginia split their season series all right they Virginia won that game all the way back in what was it October feels like forever ago and <laughs> yeah. then Syracuse won the game earlier this or earlier in ACC play this season in the 2020 year so since that's split the next tiebreaker is your one loss against the t- they just go down the line of the top seeds so Duke both teams have lost to Duke so that's a wash they don't use that next right now is Louisville all right so basically what Syracuse needs to do is they need to beat Louisville and then they're the biggest Cardinals fans the rest right. of the way because Virginia has already lost to Louisville once. So the best they can do, they do play in the finale of the ACC, Louisville and, and Virginia. But it does not matter if Syracuse, as long as Syracuse wins because they wash it out because it's all based on winning percentage. So even if Virginia wins, 
That's a 500 winning percentage, whereas Syracuse would have uh, an 1,000 winning percentage. Right. So what I'm looking for is they they need to know that this game matters a ton for their seating in the ACC tournament. And winning three games versus winning four in, in Greensboro is definitely something that could help them out. And maybe even makes the committee look at them and say, I mean, this is the fourth team, fourth seeded team in a Power Five conference. Yeah. So, again, the the tournament's subjective. It's all subjective. There there is no objectivity necessarily, aside from at large bids. I will so, say, you lose this game, I will come on winning the tournament. <laughs> yeah. If you lose this yeah. game tonight, I will come on the podcast tomorrow morning, and I will say, stick a fork in them. There's just no way. And I know. Ooh. I know we've said it, man. I mean, the only hope after you lose this game is winning the ACC tournament. That's just. I mean, that's still the way I think we both feel. Right. Is that it's ACC tournament or nothing. But this is the one game that okay, maybe it can do a little something, especially because your your remaining five games after this one are all very winnable. I mean, you're talking about the absolute bottom feeders of the ACC. I'm, I'll spew them off to you right now, but it's Georgia Tech, a road game at Pitt, which is the only game Ken Palm projects them to lose, North Carolina, Boston College, Miami. All super winnable games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, finishing the season 6-0 and would certainly move you once in the right direction, but... We shall see Syracuse and Louisville tonight. Check us out at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. We throw out some tweets during the games, and we just love to have you follow us as well for, for some added content like the Wave videos that, that Tim will tweet out uh, throughout the season. All right, that's going to do it for us. Syracuse-Louisville tonight. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk tomorrow.